You're listening to Hope for Today Church Podcast. We're so glad that you're joining in this virtual space. We believe that as you listen, Jesus will minister to you right where you are. So open up your mind and your heart to what the Word would say to you today. Thank you for joining us. And remember, Jesus is our hope for today. I want to invite you to turn to Proverbs chapter 4, and we're continuing our series, Truths to Live By. Truths to Live By. It's my hope and intention, like my good old dad used to say, Andrew, preach about something they can really sink their teeth into. Something they can just, right? And they can walk away with it, and they can apply it to their life. Amen? <laughs> and so we're going to Proverbs chapter 4, and that's where we're going to begin. That's where we're going to launch Today it says this in Proverbs 4, and we should have some of these on the screen, I hope. Verse 13, hold on to instruction, don't let go. Guard it, for it is your life. Keep off the path of the wicked. Don't proceed on the way of evil ones. Avoid it. Don't travel on it. Turn away from it and pass by. For they can't sleep unless they have done what is evil. They are robbed of sleep unless they make someone stumble. Is anyone here having trouble sleeping? They eat the bread of wickedness and drink the wine of violence. The path of the righteous is like the light of dawn, shining shining brighter and brighter until midday. But the way of the wicked is like the darkest gloom. They don't know what makes sense and they stumble. My son, pay attention to my words. Listen closely to my sayings. Don't lose sight of them. Keep them within your hearts. For they are life to those who find them and health to one's whole body. Guard your heart above all else for it is the source of life. Don't let your mouth speak dishonestly and don't let your lips talk Deceivously. Let your eyes look forward. Fix your eyes, your gaze straight ahead. Carefully consider the path for your feet, and all your ways will be established. How many of you like to walk on a firm footing? <laughs> Don't turn to the right or to the left, but keep your feet away from evil. We see a lot of words here. Fixing your gaze. What voices are you listening to? What are you focused upon? What path are you taking? Truths truly to live by. Very practical. Speaking of practical, who here enjoys a good how-to video? A good, yeah, Isaiah likes a how-to video. Anyone else? And how-to. You know, it's the stuff that the honey to-do list, the, you know, the do-yourself projects are made of. Maybe you're like me and you go over to the computer and you go into Google, how do I make a beautiful kitchen cabinet? Right? And it throws up, you know, the latest and greatest YouTube clip and you start watching and you start seeing these step-by-steps, these play-by-plays, if you will. Has anyone ever been there? Yeah. I do it all the time. All the time. And it's wonderful that it's a place you can go to in a way. It's like blazing a path to success. When you go to start a project, if you've never done it before, it's a little daunting. It can seem insurmountable. But then Eureka, you turn on YouTube, 
and someone lays it all out right there in front of you. Amen, Nick? They just show you, here, this is how you're going to do it, man. And there's just this ease and peace that just overflows understanding from the knowledge and wisdom that someone has provided. Scripture is a lot like that, isn't it? It washes over us. It, it brings us peace that we know that we're on the right path. In many respects, it shows us that the life that we want to live to the glory of God is possible. Now, speaking about learning and growing in skills and, you know, from other people's wisdom, back when COVID hit, you know, I was working at a church and there was things that had never been done before. And as everyone knows, you had to get online and figure out how you're going to do all that. And, you know, I was kind of the in-house techie, I guess you could say. But there were things I had never done before. But sure enough, I thought, well, I'm not going to let that stop me. I went to, went to Google, went to YouTube and started searching. Well, how do we make a, you know, a live stream and do so successfully and with excellence and all the buzzwords you type in, right? How do we do it affordably? How can we, you know, talk the board into making decisions for us to get the, the gear that we actually need and not the stuff that we want? All these things you have to go through. I remember staying up till three, four o'clock in the morning, making it so we could incorporate cameras and making sure it's all connecting properly. The connectivity was ready for a Sunday morning. And it was a learning experience. It's something that I didn't come to the table with the knowledge thereof, but upon going through that encounter and learning from other people, I grew and I learned and acquired a skill. Not everything in life just comes in an instant. Not everything in life comes easily. But it's worth it in the journey and, and learning and going through the process. And here we go through Proverbs. It shows us clearly that this is the desired, the, the vision of how the people of God are supposed to behave. And we're a work in progress, aren't we? It's like last week we were talking about vision for the church, the desired vision and where we are headed. And we have clear values and a focus so that it will help us along the path to that vision. But it's important to listen to the appropriate voices. I remember when I was wiring up my basement in Milton and some of you were thinking, oh man, you did your own basement. Nick, who's a you know, general contractor, is thinking that's, that's some dangerous stuff. <laughs> I got zapped a few times. Thankfully, it wasn't a lethal zap, right? <laughs> And I remember going through all those pieces, and I made some calls. My wife's saying, thank God, he made calls. I sure did. I called some buddies who were licensed electricians. I can't figure out what in the blaze is going on with this type of three-way switch at the bottom of my basement stairs. I don't know what kind of configuration it is. I called three different licensed electricians, and they're like, I have no idea. Finally, one of my buddies who's an industrial electrician says, I know exactly what that is. He sent me a schematic, and I just stared at that schematic, opened up the wall, and just started wiring things up. And lo and behold, in just a few minutes, you know what happened? I didn't get zapped. The lights came on. From that call and following his instruction. But there were times and hours spent. But in the end, the, the job got done. And in fact, the ESA man came with his hat he brought a little stamp, a seal of approval, and say, here you go, Andrew. It's all good to go. I'm like, thank you, sir. My, my, my wife and I and those who dwell in our house afterwards can be at peace. What do you think, hon? Yes? <laughs> and the scripture we're about to turn to in Ephesians 4, it talks about how we've been marked with the seal, the promised Holy Spirit. 
a guaranteeance of not only what is to come, but a reminder of the new life that we have and experience in Christ, the, the prompting and the moving and the instructional words that we receive from Holy Spirit as we open the word, as we glean from the word to grow and become more like Christ. So I want to invite you to turn to Ephesians chapter 4. Ephesians chapter 4, and as you turn there, it's so important that we're biblically rooted. One of the values at HFT that we were going over last week is that we need to be biblically rooted, rooted in no one else but Christ. And our value says that we desire to be biblically founded in belief, expression, and practice. Belief, expectation, or expression, and practice. And as we turn to Ephesians chapter 4, keep this in mind. When Jesus left, before he ascended, he told the followers, you know, go in the world and make disciples. You ever thought that we're really continuing that mission? And when you wake up in the morning, you look in the mirror, do you ever encourage yourself and say, today I'm, I'm, a, I'm about mission? Now, we all have our tasks. I already mentioned the honey to-do list. My wife has lists, and I admit I don't always do them. But we have a continuing mission. It's like a sci-fi, you know, like Star Trek. It's continuing mission, right? <laughs> Go into the world to make disciples, make followers of Jesus, immersing them in relationship with the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. That's what baptism means. And teaching them to obey the instructions of Jesus. So let's turn to Ephesians chapter 4. Ephesians chapter 4 is a beautiful how-to. We've already covered how wonderful how-to videos can be. Here's a how-to, Isaiah. How to go about living a life that is new in Christ. The how-to. How can I go about speaking this truth, making disciples? And so the walking point for today, the next step is this. The how we go about the mission remains as important as the what. The how we go about the mission is as important as the what. And so Ephesians chapter 4, verse 16, it says, From him, the whole body, fitted and knit together by every supporting ligament, promotes the growth of the body for building up itself in love by the proper working of each individual part. Therefore I say this and testify in the Lord, you should no longer live as the Gentiles live in the futility of their thoughts. They are darkened in their understanding, excluded from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them and because of the hardness of their hearts. They became callous and gave themselves over to promiscuity from every practice of every kind of impurity with a desire for more and more. But that is not how you came to know Christ, assuming you heard about him and were taught by him. As the truth is in Jesus, to take off your former way of life, the old self that is corrupted by deceitful desires, and to be renewed in the spirit of your minds, and to put on the new self, the one created according to God's likeness and righteousness and purity of truth. Therefore, putting away lying, speak the truth, each one to his neighbor, because we're members of one another. Be angry and don't sin. Don't let the sun go down on your anger and don't give the devil an opportunity. 
There's a lot that's happening in this passage, and for sake of time, we're just going to cover a few pieces, very practical aspects we could sink our teeth into. That the how we go about mission is important as the what. And we're seeing here in Ephesians 4, Paul is clearly saying to us, if you want to be renewed, if you want to experience the new life, you need to embrace the new you. You need to fully get on board. Leave your past life in the rear view and press forward. Putting on the new self, he says, he gives a solution. How can you live this life? Focus on the here and the now and the new life that you have in Christ. He emphasizes purity of truth. This is something very practical because even in the church, we're not always truthful with one another. You could go on social media and you can look around and, you know, people can make comments and, and say, well, you know, the church maybe isn't always up to par in their conversations with one another. And yet we're all on a journey, aren't we? But the Apostle Paul emphasizes we need to focus on what builds each other up. And what I can appreciate about the body of Christ is that when people are honest, when they are truthful in their interactions. You know, there's been points and times in my own life where, like you, I'm on a journey. I'm growing. I'm maturing in the Lord. I'm maturing personally. And I've had good people come alongside and say, hey, Andrew, um, there's a few things we observe. Can we talk about these things? And sometimes in my younger days, I'd be like, get lost. <laughs> but as I would grow and, and learn, I'd say, okay, you know, what, what, what would you like to share? And it's actually now realizing, not only personally, but pastorally, when we can share and be open and transparent in the purity of truth, we can actually grow. The body of Christ, in many ways, is supposed to be watching out for each other's blind sides. Being truthful with one another. How many of you find this easy? It's easy to, to vent in anger, isn't it? Proverbs chapter 29 says that those who are wise keep their attitude or their anger in check, but those who are a fool give full vent to their anger. They just let the lid come off the top. Doesn't matter who's in their way and what kind of casualties will be along the way. But Paul's saying there's another way. There's a better way. He says in verse 31, he says, let all bitterness, anger, and wrath, shouting and slander be removed from you along with all malice and be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving one another, just as God also forgave you in Christ. And so just to go back for a moment, we have these sins that are, are shown and highlighted for us in this passage of Scripture in verse 22. This old nature, this state of thinking, what I appreciate an author by the name of Andrew Farley calls it this, stinking thinking. Stinking thinking of the sin agent, that oppressive voice that wants to take you off path. Engaging activities that are going to tear down instead of build up, causing dissension, and, and you're all familiar with this. You've seen it. You know full well of this experience. But he says in verse 30, and don't grieve God's Holy Spirit, but you are sealed by him for the day of redemption. And so let all bitterness, anger, and malice be put off. It's like that seal of approval when that ESA agent came to my house and put it on the circuit breaker. 
and gave an approval that everything was good to go. The Holy Spirit is not only given a deposit of what's to come, but is indwelling us and prompting us and leading us. And you can just imagine that when you offer a a non-truth, the Holy Spirit's grieved. But thankfully, it's not from a place of a condemnation because there's no condemnation in Christ. The Holy Spirit speaks to your heart and says, hey, bro, was that nice that you said that to your brother today? Maybe you should rethink how you, you know, how that came across. I've seen firsthand how, and that, like you, being deceitful or lying can disrupt unity. It can wreck relationships and breed conflict. And without naming names and places, there was a point in time in my life where um, I was serving in a place and things were going very, very well, extremely well. But for some reason, from a non-truth being repeated over and over again, somehow it started to be believed to be truth, and it started to cause division and dissension to the point where a colleague, a colleague and I were both let go. And where did that start? Where did that begin? From a misunderstanding, a misunderstanding when we're not truthful with one another, letting people know, hey, there's something that's been bothering me. Can we talk? You can't address those issues unless you have a conversation. And yet for some reason, this is my personal take on this, okay, it's not found in scripture, is there's times where we're not willing to sit down, sit down and, and be honest about what has happened and what has um, occurred and so we can't be truthful and, and, and experience healing. I feel the Holy Spirit telling me not to go any further into that place because um, it might go on the wrong path here. But verse 26, it says this. Be angry. Do not sin. Don't let the sun go down on your anger. Do you think this means that we can never get angry? I've heard it said on many occasions, believers can never get angry. A true, you know, mature believer will never get angry. Maybe in heaven, <laughs> we know we all get angry. It says, you know, in your anger, other translations will say, in your anger, do not sin. Do not sin. It matters in what we do when we get, get angry. Think about that. When anger is allowed to be fully conceived, it can give root to bitterness. When my colleague and I were let go, we could have became bitter, even though we were you know, let go for wrong reasons, but we refused to go that path as much as it hurt. Anger can turn into a place of slander. Have you ever been slandered before? Slander is defined as speaking falsehoods and purposely trying to destroy another person's image. Have you ever been there, Sue? You ever had where people slander your name? Well, we know this happens in the world, but in the church, this is not supposed to be so. As we put on our new self, we'll be speaking in a way that builds each other up, but this doesn't mean that we're not being honest with each other. Paul says, we don't judge without, on the outside, but we judge within. We're holding each other accountable. We're encouraging one another as salt and light. But we've all seen what spreading even rumors can turn into. 
I remember when we started this church, and this is a little bit of humor just to lighten it up a bit. When we began, maybe this is kind of a good thing, but when we started the church, there's a, you know, a few little swirling rumors that were developing that we were you know, maybe just a tongues-only seeking church where we just wanted tongues, 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 tongues. The spiritual gift of tongues. And maybe that of prophecy. But everything else, we don't want anything to do with. We're like signs and wonders chasers. Which couldn't be, you know, it's further. That's not even possible. That's not even who we are. But somehow that rumor started. And I could have got my back up against the wall, you know, with a few other leaders and been like, who do those people think they are? Get on the keyboard and, you know, hit some keyboard strokes. But we actually were able to sit down, have a conversation, have a coffee. That, again, that's something I probably wouldn't have done when I was a younger, younger man. And we would sit down and say, tell me, what's, uh, what's, what's going on? What, what have you heard about us? Maybe I can dispel some of these, you know, falsehoods. And we had a good conversation. I said, listen, we are an evangelical Pentecostal church. We believe in the full or overarching story of scripture. We believe it is purposeful and for today. And we're holding on to every word of truth. And the word of truth says, do not forsake the speaking of tongues or that of prophecy. But we don't stop there. We desire every spiritual gift and to be in operation in our assembly. And so we want all that the Lord would have for us by the promised Holy Spirit. And so I'd say to you, what would the Holy Spirit say to you? What is for you today? We believe in all things, hope for today. And so when you respond in that way, the scripture says that when you respond with strife or bitterness, right, you stir up wrath and further anger. You ever been there when someone says something that just rubs you the wrong way and you respond the wrong way? My wife and I have had a few of those. There's no other couples who have had those experiences, have you? And I'm sure many of you have been thinking as we read this passage, well, wait a second here. If we're being conformed to the image of Christ, I know of someone who got angry. Jesus flipped tables, didn't he? Jesus, when he was in the temple, we're going to go there in a quick second, in Mark 11, he came in and he noticed that people were conducting themselves in a manner that was unworthy of the temple. They were acting in ways and having the wrong pursuits. And so he came in and he got, he got their attention. He flipped the tables. But we see it was from a place of a, a righteous indignation because it wasn't directed to harm anyone within the temple. When he, as we looked at the scripture, when he flipped the table, he didn't knock out a few of the elders. He didn't knock out a few of the money changers. He didn't hurl personal insults, naming people by name. All he said was, my house will be a house of prayer. And he's made a place of robbers. Was he speaking slander? There was no falsehood. It was true. Was he gossiping? He wasn't gossiping. Let's look to Mark 11, 15. I came to Jerusalem, and he went into the temple and began to throw out those buying and selling. He overturned the tables of the money changers and the chairs of those selling doves and would not permit anyone to carry goods through the temple. And he was teaching them, is it not written, my house will be called a house of prayer for all nations? But you've made it a den of thieves. And the chief priests and the scribes heard it and started looking for a way to kill him, for they were afraid of him, because the whole crowd was astonished by his teaching. You see here, he made a very clear point. He was pointing out what they already knew, so it could resonate in their hearts. 
And I've had people over time ask me about this specific passage, and I don't have all things figured out, but what I can glean from this is that this is prior to Holy Spirit being poured out upon all flesh. Jesus is bringing conviction to the people in the temple, a role and agency of which the Holy Spirit would conduct when he would be poured out. And so you and I, when we go about life, when we begin our day, when we look in the mirror, when we're engaged in conversation, the Holy Spirit brings those promptings and those convictions. Even a place that it should steer us, it should make us uncomfortable. But not that, again, not that we're living in a place of condemnation, but in a place of repentance. To turn from the ways that we've been conducting and act, because the former is supposed to be the former. And there was a point in time, and I've always um, promised all of you here that I would be open and transparent with you. There was a time where I would give vent to my anger. But it was through experiences, and especially serving in the church, go figure, that I would learn patience. I would learn how to temper my responses. Because when those things happen, if you just blow up, nothing good comes from it. You, you earn a bad reputation. Who here wants a bad reputation? And so Paul offers a solution. He says, listen, you can curb this. He says, don't let the sun go down on your anger. You know, at the end of the day, we all do it. You, your head hits the pillow, and you begin to rest. And in those moments, it's like counting sheep. You start to remember all the things that happened throughout the day. And I don't believe it's just a coincidence that the Holy Spirit in those moments maybe brings conversations, even brings images to mind of what occurred in that day. So before your head hits that pill, you can say, Lord Jesus, forgive me for today. Man, I wasn't thinking. I gave into the stinking thinking. But tomorrow, would you enable me to speak the right words? Even empower me to go and seek reconciliation with others. And it's a tough pill to swallow. I've been there. To go to someone and say, okay, can we chat for a second? Especially when you know you're in the wrong, it's not easy. But I believe it's in those vulnerable places Paul is showing us that we're truly being like Christ. We're being compassionate like him, verse 32, and be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving one another, just as God also forgave you in Christ. And look at uh, chapter five as he continues. Therefore, be imitators of God, as dearly loved children, and walk in love as Christ also loved us and gave himself for us a sacrificial and fragrant offering. Your life can be a pleasing aroma to the one that you go and have an honest conversation with. Because just like you, they're probably laying down their head at night and thinking, what on earth happened? That was so uncomfortable. But when you go and say, hey, can we have breakfast? And you sit down and you chat and you're open and honest, healing is able to come into that place. Wholeness. And you experience peace. And like the scripture says, right in Proverbs 4, you know what happens at night? You sleep better. You sleep better. It says the wicked can't sleep because they're plotting and scheming and ways to get, get even and allows slander and malice to swirl, but people of God, us putting on the new self, that's not to be so. And that we can enjoy sleepful nights. How many, how many of you here want to have a good, restful sleep? This is the promise of the word, the truth to live by. 
I found this quote by a Bible scholar by the name of G. Osborne. He says this, We only experience God's forgiveness in personal and practical ways as we learn to forgive others from day to day. Having received forgiveness, we will pass it on to others. Those who are unwilling to forgive have not patterned their lives after Christ, who was willing to forgive even those who crucified him. And so before the sun set on the day of his crucifixion, what did Jesus do? He said, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. This hit me after reading this quote. I immediately thought of Luke and Jesus on the cross. Jesus, how did you do that? Like, yeah, we know you're, you're the son of God. Yeah, we know that you're both God and man. We know you had a mission to accomplish. But to speak those words of people who whipped you and tore flesh from bone, how can you say, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do? This is the example that Jesus has for us that we can also walk in that same victory. And this is my prayer for for us today with our assembly that we would continue to be known as a welcoming and caring church community that cares about sharing the transformative gospel. We believe in life change, don't we? We believe that the Lord of Lords can transform our life from the inside out. And the first place where we can begin is not getting angry with each other. Can you just imagine if we're peaceful with one another, encouraging each other even through our honest conversations? It doesn't mean that you have to give a pat of affirmation approval for every life decision that your brother and sister in the Lord makes. We won't always align, but we can align in our unity in Christ. Amen? Amen. Thank you, Jesus. Put off your old self. Put off your old self. I'm going to invite Brad to come and the worship team as we respond and worship. You know, this is a part of Scripture that's never easy for a preacher or a pastor to be honest with. You know, we, we would prefer to get up here and say, you know, are you going through something? The Lord is a, you know, he's a bondage breaker and he's going to break those chains. He's going to lead you in ways of everlasting, in which he does. But to speak truth in areas that sometimes are a tougher pill to swallow than others. It could be difficult, but I'm right there with you. This part of scripture is speaking right to my own heart. And I know it's speaking to you. Just this week, as we begin in the inception of our church, go figure that when you're growing and God's moving and things are happening, the spiritual attacks start to intensify. And you know, as a a pastor of this place, I wear different hats, learning about insurance and legalities and all these kind of things, and (laughs) it can be kind of hilarious. But just this week alone, I, I fielded more than a few phone calls. One was an attempt of fraudulent activity. Someone claiming that we weren't engaging as we should as a corporation. And of course, it was all falsehoods, but I was taken back for a moment thinking, wow, this is, where's this coming from? What place is coming from? And I had to check myself. And again, as I've always said, thankfully, as you're invested in the word and as you're meditating on the word of God, this part of scripture was what I was preparing for today. And thank God for it, because the things that this gentleman said to me on the phone was not very nice. Totally unfounded. I don't even have to repeat it to you. It was just nonsense. But I could have responded and just got my back up and said, who do you think you are? Call me out of the blue. 
how dare you, don't threaten, you know, all these kind of things. But I was learning in that moment how to be tempered in response, even when people are being unfair, when they're out to slander your good name. And I could sense that God was with me in that conversation. He knows what I'm working on. He knows the areas in which I've prayed, like all of you, Lord, would you continue to lead me in growth in this area? Put off your old self, the Apostle Paul says. He says in verse 20, but this is not how you came to know Christ, assuming you heard about him and were taught by him as the truth is in Jesus. So take off your former way of life, the old self that is corrupted by deceitful desires, to be renewed in the spirit of your minds and put on the new self, the one created according to God's likeness and righteousness and purity of truth. Think of it right now. Because you and I believe in Jesus Christ, we've been declared the righteousness of God. And there's hope. We no longer have to strive and try to do things under our own steam because now the, the Holy Spirit, the hope of glory, is dwelling within us, stirring us, moving us, and prompting us to truly walk in this. You can imagine the ripple effect it will have when we embrace it, just like we looked at the beginning. When we embrace it, that's where we can truly walk in this newness of life. Would you join me in walking in that newness of life? On that journey that Christ has called us to? That today, truly hope for a day, could really be hope for today? If you're dealing with anger and bitterness, that that can be put aside and you can exchange it for hope and peace? Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, Lord, I thank you for your living, enduring word. Lord, I thank you, even as I spoke here this afternoon, that your Holy Spirit was already teaching, prompting, and even convicting. Lord, we ask, as we are sensitive to your Spirit, we're mindful of your kindness towards us. Continue to do the work that you have so faithfully begun within each one of us. Continue to lead us in the way of everlasting life, setting our minds upon you what is what wholesome and good. Even laying down the things we don't want to lay down for the sake of our brothers and our sisters in you. We pray, Lord, that this church would be a light in the community, a true hope, a beacon of hope, that life transformation is a real reality for those who surrender to you, who live their life in you. Have your way in us this afternoon, Lord Jesus. You are the rock on which we stand our firm foundation. Thank you that you never let us go. You continue to call us. You hold our hand and lead us in your ways as we live on mission. We thank you, Jesus. We thank you, Jesus. In Jesus' name, amen. 
Amen. I'm going to invite you to stand if you're able as John worships you.